Oh my goodness, it's so amazing to be here. I'm recording my first ever podcast. How absolutely exciting is that? If you don't know who I am, as most people won't, I'm Katrina Farnell. I'm an animal lover, a vegan. I love pink and bright colours. I was a dancer, um, but I became disabled in 2012. My medical condition really changed my life. Um, But I learnt loads of valuable lessons through all the rough stuff. Um, And my disability sort of put me on a new path. And I've found much more meaning now as I live my life in service to others. So I think I've gained quite a lot of experience that might help some of you who are struggling through this crazy pandemic we're going through where a lot of us are having to stay in, to shield, things are confusing, all those sorts of feelings are things that I've dealt with before and I think I might just be able to give you a few hints and tips of how to deal with those emotions. So earlier on this year, I was creating some activity sheets for People First, Keithley and Craven. Um, They are a learning disability self-advocacy group. And just during lockdown, I wanted to create something to keep their minds going, keep them busy. And eventually I realised I had enough material for a book. And so... I decided to broaden the scope a little because I felt that anyone would find the activity book helpful. It's it's full of positive messages and inspi- inspirational words and creative activities. Um, so ever since then, I have felt like I've been on this path to promote kindness, especially the kindness to oneself. And that's where the the idea for the podcast came in. It's another medium where I can connect to people with my story of finally getting to a place of self-love, self-acceptance and, um, yeah, just really embodying self-kindness. And um, so, um, yeah... That's why I'm doing this podcast. So I'd just like to read you the poem that is in my book that sort of explains this idea of, first of all, be kind to oneself. It's called The Kind Hand. The kind hand came when I needed it most. I was downtrodden, beaten and lost. And to all that pain I'd been a courteous host. But I could no longer pay that cost. The kind hand wiped my tears away with the tenderness of a mother's touch. And slightly embarrassed I didn't know what to say. With a lump in my throat I thanked it so very much. We began to talk about what had brought me here, what had brought me to my knees. I regaled my life, the shame, the fear, 
and my endless need to please. For some reason I could tell the kind and anything, things I'd bottled up for years. In the end I told it everything, but suddenly I was overcome with fear. What if the kind hand leaves me, now it knows everything about me too. But the kind hand lifted up my chin and said, I'm so sorry for all you have suffered through. A solitary tear ran down my face as the kind hand picked me up. It led me to a mirror and told me to take a good look. I looked at the reflection, the kind hand and I, so beautiful it was with skin that began to shine. When I saw the familiar pink bow tattoo, I remembered the kind hand was mine. My sweetest love, it said, you beautiful soul, you have offered me to everyone you meet. Understanding their flaws and taking on their pain, it's not an easy feat. But to give that love on an empty tank, you'll be submerged into the tides of sand. You've given up so many parts of yourself that today you didn't recognise your own hand. Kindness is a beautiful thing. It makes us feel less alone. But kindness needs to start within. And so that was the day the kind hand came home. There was a time not so long ago that I would never have shared one of my own poems with anyone, let alone in my own book or on a podcast. But um, working on self-love has brought me an added confidence, um, a confidence in my own ability and a confidence to think it really doesn't matter if other people don't like it, it matters how I feel and to share that poem makes me feel good and it also means a lot to me to try and connect with others even if 99% of people hate that poem that's all right because there might be 1% of people that understood it that connected with it and because of that they know they're not alone somebody else has felt the way that they feel and the whole podcast is worth it just for that. Coming up, we've got my very first interview with Lindsay Chapman. So here we have uh, my good friend, she's called Lindsay Chapman. If you've not heard of her, she is a pretty incredible person, really. Um, although she might she might not say that herself, but she is. Um, so she, she was a veteran and became disabled. And now we met through um, a scheme through Backup. And Lindsay was actually my mentor, um, which was incredible. So hi, Lindsay. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Oh, good. 
So, um, Lindsay, I was hoping you could tell the listeners a little bit about your background and the changes that happened in your life that may parallel a lot of the changes that are going on for people with the coronavirus currently? Oh, okay, where do I start? Um, Okay, so um, I have spinal cord injury um, and um, I'm paralysed from the chest down um, and I've been injured for 13 years this year, so a little while now. Um, I was always very sporty and active um, up until uh, my accident. Um, So it was um, quite a big deal for me. Initially, early on, um, I assumed that that was it for me and I was, you know, literally going to be stuck in a wheelchair indoors and not be able to do anything active ever again. Um, But I couldn't have been more wrong. you know, it, it took a little while to, to find myself. Um, what I would say was one of the biggest things to help me find my way again was to speak to other people um, who were in a similar situation but were further down the road. Um, and the backup trust were uh, um, had a massive impact uh, on my life um, because it was mainly through them that I got connected with others. Um, So I did, you know, various backup courses in the early days, um, activity courses, um, and ended up meeting other people, as I say, that were, you know, in the same situation as me. And on these courses, they always have um, other spinal injured uh, people that... um, you know, like team leaders and mentors um, and guys that are teaching wheelchair skills, all that kind of stuff. And some of these guys, you know, have been injured for years um, and they're really good to spend time with and, and chat to. Um, and the thing that I think grabbed me the most of these guys is that they're just so normal. And that might sound like a really weird thing to say, um, but, you know, they're wearing normal clothes, they're, they're working, they're driving, they have relationships. Some of them have got children, they've got dogs, you know, all, all this kind of stuff. Um, and when you're newly injured, the stuff that able-bodied people may take a little for granted, you know, the normal stuff, mm-hmm. um, suddenly becomes really, seems really out of your reach in some ways, or very difficult to, you know, achieve. Just your day-to-day stuff, um, yeah. or being able to drive, or get dressed, or... Do you, do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a big, a big, big thing. So, I think um, that's what I would always um, advise somebody who is newly disabled or injured um, is to reach out to others. Um, just being able to share how you feel um, with someone who understands knows where you're coming from um you don't necessarily have to have the same disability as well um yeah exactly I think, yeah I, I think that's massive and then it you know you don't feel alone and um you you realize you're not the only one and it just somehow just makes it easier to cope um if you are having a bad day 
you know, if you've got a fellow um, disabled person who's, you know, sort of out there as well, and um, yeah, you're not you're not the only one. Um, you may not be able to solve all your issues, um, but just talking it through and, uh, you know, it, it can make all the difference. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, I know, it absolutely <laughs> does. I, I felt that... It, you know, at the start of lockdown, when we I couldn't go out at all, I don't know about you, um, I um, I I started feeling like I did when I first became disabled. It was yeah. um, that same experience of being um, in the house, and um, you know, I didn't have my carers coming in, so I was reliant on my mum again a lot and um yeah I just found it quite difficult to cope and you know I I often think about when when I was um receiving those calls off you how much um that just that support of having that that call each week it was just it was um incredibly comforting and I learned so much and do you know it made me feel like I want to reach out to others who yeah. might be going through similar things. So I started ringing other people I knew with disabilities. Um, and, you know, doing that actually helped me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was just wondering how you then became a mentor yourself at Backup. Um, pretty much um, felt the same as what you've just said yourself, that um, because I had these mentors, if you like, um, or matriarchs even, you know, some of them weren't even officially mental. They're just people that I'd been put in touch with that were, as I say, just a bit further down the road. Um, I know a couple of ladies that um, are now um, well into their 50s, you know, approaching 60, um, and they've been injured, you know, 20, 30 years. Um and just spending time with them um, is just such an amazing thing. It, it's um, yeah, it really it really helps. Um, so um, that's my train of thought completely. So yeah, seeing seeing how much that that's helped me, um, particularly in my early days. Um, once I got to the point that um, I was dealing with with my own life a little bit better and had a bit more energy, um, if you like, I then, you know, wanted to be able to give something back. So I'd always stayed in touch with the Backup Trust. And, um, yeah, within a couple of years, I, I sort of said, you know, is there anything that I can do? Um, and, um, yeah, I became uh, a wheelchair skills instructor um, to begin with. So they put me on a training course um, so that I could, you know, learn all the correct techniques and the way to approach people and train them um and then yeah worked in um i've worked in various spinal uh, hospitals um mostly at salisbury because that's the one that's closest to me um and i've i've been doing that on and off for for yeah what about 11 years um and i absolutely love it um it's um it's great to go back to the hospital that i did my recovery in um you know, it's, it's a special place for me. Yes, there was some pain and suffering there, but, um, you know, I wouldn't be where I am without that place and, and the staff and the nurses. So it's always quite special to go back and um, see people that were 
that are in the situation um, in you know the same shoes that I I was in 13 years ago, um, and yeah, to be able to give them something, um, and you know we we, we chat as well, or, you know, and um, we do sort of mentoring side of things. And early on, like I said, it's the simple things that people want to be able to achieve again. You know, just simple stuff like being able to. Um, get dressed and drive and go back to work or look after their children um, you know so to let them um, feel that they can approach you and talk to you about these things and you know just the smallest simplest thing um, can make such a difference to somebody's life and that cost that doesn't cost anything Uh, it's such a a wonderful feeling like like you said you know I think I get a massive um, amount out of it myself you know when I come home I'm tired but it's a happy tired because I feel you know I've shared stuff you know, I can help stuff that I've learned um, I can pass that on and it, yeah it doesn't cost anything but yeah. to that person it, it's huge it's absolutely huge yeah um, I think it's life changing to be quite honest that's definitely oh, what I got out of it Um and I'm just thinking, you know, with people not being able to go to work and um, having that same sort of change from normalcy and not being able to do the same things that they once could, I, I feel that people could take a real lot of inspiration and a lot of um, knowledge from people who have been disabled, who've had, who've been through this already, you know. Yeah. Um and I think what I like most about what you have done in your life is you've paid it forward. You've paid that kindness forward. And I think that's such um an important thing to do in a society. Um and that's kind of what the whole podcast is about. It's about being kind to others and and then when somebody's kind to you, you pay that forward. Yeah, and it's it, you know completing that circle of being supportive to others. Um, That's it. Um, I always say um, that there's a motto: sharing is caring. Um, oh. And it's such a simple um, term to use, but it it's so true. Um, just to share with someone, you know, your your emotions, your feelings, your experiences, little tips. Um, you know, it, yeah, like you say, it, it could make a huge difference. And, and I think that's the thing, you know, when when you've had that happen to yourself, you realise how important how important it is. And um, to pass that on is, you know, it's massive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I wanted to ask you um, a few questions about, um, about sport. Um, so... First of all, um, I read when I was doing my prep for this that it was, um, let me see if I've got it right. Is it T, what's it called? TR something. What is that? <laughs> what is the okay. spot that you did? Okay, so um, it's um, your category um, of your disability. So um, in the Paralympics, and the Invictus Games, um, we have to have um, categories to divide people into groups 
so that they're more equally matched on on their impairment or disability. So if you, in the able-bodied um, Olympics, if you had a set of female runners that were going to run 100 metres, um, you just pop them all in together because yeah. they, you know, are all equal. Um, but with the Paralympics or the Invictus Games, that's a lot more difficult to do. Um, so you have to keep it fair and they will do an assessment on the athlete um, and then put you in groups where you are more fairly and equally matched. So um, I um, did um, various races out in Toronto um, with the Invictus Games um, and I was you know, put into categories where they tried to, to match it as, as best as they could. Um, I would say the Paralympics are a lot more strict on um, the categories um, the Invictus Games, because the pool of athletes is a lot smaller, um, it's a bit more difficult for them to get it exact. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they, they do the best they can. And, uh, you know, with, with the athletes that they have, they try to keep it as fair as possible. Yeah. So is it, it's the ha- is it the hand bike? Is that what it's called? No. Um, I do have a hand cycle, um, which is basically like a bike, um, that able-bodied people would use, except that we use it with our arms. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit of a different setup. So it's a recumbent bike. It has three wheels, um, and you've got all chains and gears and, and whatnot. And you you have hand cranks. Um, um, but what I um, did in the Invictus Games was wheelchair races. So I had a racing chair, um, which is a bit different to your everyday chair. Um, quite quite a different um machine if you like mm. um different to a bike so with a bike you have gears um so if you're on a course that's got you know a few hills or whatnot you can change gear to to make it easier um with yeah. a, a racing chair you don't have anything like that all the power um comes from you know just your your arms and your shoulders um and that's it so uh it's it's quite uh, uh a cheeky sport but it's quite, yeah yeah it's um yeah it's 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 quite gritty i think at times um some of the stuff you can do and some of the distances you can do so a lot of wheelchair racers will do anything from 100 meters up to full marathons um <laughs> Yeah, they tend to discipline in just one area. Um, some some may specialise in, in a few certain distances, but a lot of them um, will do quite a range, um, which is, you know, unusual. Um, so it's, yeah, there's a lot, a lot you can do in a racing chair. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, it's good weight. So um, what did it feel like to once you'd become disabled and you found sport again because you were already sporty how did it feel that first time getting into the racing chair um and um yeah finding your love of sport again what was it like uh, i felt free i felt like i'd i'd come home um you can't describe that feeling to if you're somebody that loves sport and loves that feeling of pushing yourself 
of having a goal um, of doing something that you know is going to make you better and make you fitter, um, that buzz, the adrenaline, all those things, um, it's just something that you can't describe. There's nothing, nothing can replace that. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's, for, for me, it was a big deal. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I tried lots of, of different things. That's, I think that's the thing now. Um, I'd like to think, you know, with disability, that there's so many more options for us. There's so many different sports um, that are available to us. Um, and I think, you know, if I was going to speak to someone who's newly injured I would say try everything you can even if it's something something that you normally wouldn't have entertained just try it because you just don't know you might absolutely love it um and it's not just the sport itself it's the social side of it yeah Um, absolutely yeah the, 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 the actual physical part of it you know, um, the training or the eventing is only only a certain part of what I love. Uh, you know, a massive part of it is, you know, being around fellow athletes who, you know, have a disability themselves. And um, it's, you know, making friends, it's the chatting, it's all of that. It's, um, I've, I've loved that. That's been a massive part of my journey. Um mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's very special. Yeah, so when we were talking, um, I'd, I'd mentioned to you that I was a dancer prior to um, becoming disabled, and you basically gave me the advice, like, like you just said, try everything. And I actually started dancing again in my wheelchair because of you. Um, I was pretty scared and... Um, I just got into a mindset that that was no longer possible and I don't know how that yeah. happened but um that's that's the risk isn't it you know you you can go two ways you can either um you can either look see it as a challenge and and um and you know really go for things or you can feel isolated by your disability and I just hadn't reached out enough at the beginning yeah to know what was possible and and I think I think it would help so many more people as soon as they're disabled to hear stories like yours that you know things that are possible you know you can you can you can have these goals and um look what you've done I mean it's 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 absolutely incredible that you went from that you know that the accident to you know, getting your gold medal off Prince Harry, it's just, it's, um, I find it incredibly moving and it really, um, it spurred me on, basically. It Mm -hmm. it made me reassess my life and what was possible for me and, um, yeah, so you've brought a lot of joy to my life. Oh, it's so lovely to hear that. And, you know, that was all just from us chatting on the phone. You know, it's um, just that simple act of, of sharing. And, you know, that's, that's wonderful. It's yeah. so, you know, so lovely to hear that. Uh, you know, I think um, it, nobody should ever underestimate their own ability. It's easy to put yourself in a box and 
and think, oh, that's me, that's all I'm going to be able to do. And, and you know, I, I had the same feelings. I, you know, I, I did exactly the same thing when I was being injured. I remember lying in my bed and thinking, oh, that's it, I'm never going to ride a horse again, I'm never going to be sporty again, no one's going to want me, I'm never going to be in a relationship, I'm never going to have children. Uh, that's it, yeah, that, they're, they're exactly the same things that I felt. Yeah, but it's so, so wrong. And, you know, as things, as my um, journey in recovery started to unravel, you know, and um, more people that started coming into my life, and the more I reached out, I had to reach out as well. I had to learn to reach out. Absolutely, Um, yeah. And then it it all just started to into place you know I, I could see a path you know I'm, I'm still that same person um my likes and dislikes and the things that move and inspire me haven't changed um I just had to find a different a different way of um you know getting what I need and and uh it's, it's, you know it's like the rules have changed a little bit that's all um that that you will find, you know, 90% of the time there is still a way of being able to achieve what you want. You just have to um, adapt, uh, accept that you can't do it the old way, firstly. Yeah. And, and that's the biggest one. Is, it is, yeah. That you, 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 it's going to be different and you've got to let go. Once you do that, then it's been open and, and adapting to a new way. And, um, and that's, I think, what why um a lot of athletes have inspired me um so seeing the, the paralympics and seeing um dressage riders that have no limbs um this kind of thing you know just even now i've been injured 13 years and i i'm still inspired every day yeah and i'm yeah. still learning every day you know my journey will continue to the day i die it doesn't stop absolutely um, yeah and, you know, every time I meet up, like I mentioned, the ladies that I I see um, who are, you know, they're getting towards their 60s now and still going strong. And every time I see them, I learn something, you know. Um, yeah. It doesn't stop, <laughs> to, no. you know. No, absolutely. So um, I was hoping to talk about horses today, but I think... I think we've not got enough time, so I'll have to have you on again. <laughs> um, so my last question to you is, um, so could you choose someone who's inspired you? Oh, goodness. That is a very, very, very difficult question to answer. And I really couldn't pick just one person. No. Um there's just too many and as I say I think I'm inspired every day um I just have that mindset if I see someone achieving something even if able-bodied is that you know I'm a personal trainer um so I'm working with people who are trying to achieve their fitness goals um and even that inspires me just to have someone who wants to get up and make a change and do something positive in their own life so it's those types of people that inspire me and there is no one single person um there's too many there's too many (laughs) well that's that's just um a perfect way to end this interview 
thank you so much for joining me today. Um, you mean the world to me, so thank you. Oh, it's a pleasure, likewise. Okay. So I just want to thank Lindsay Chapman again for agreeing to be interviewed. Um, I'm blown away by that conversation. Every time I speak to her, I gain so much. Um, and you'll notice that I asked her at the end about um, who inspires her. And she was incredibly amazing and gracious and was like everyone. <laughs> So I thought I would talk to you each week about different people that have inspired me. And the first one I want to talk about is a lady called Helen Keller. Keller was deaf and blind. And yet despite that, Annie Sullivan was able to teach her language. Sullivan placed her hand under a water spout one day and Keller writes in her book, The Story of My Life, and as the cool stream gushed over one hand, she spelled onto the other hand the word water. Somehow the mystery of language was revealed to me, she says. That living word awakened my soul, gave it light, hope, joy, set it free. Keller was the first deaf blind person to gain a Bachelor of the Arts degree. She later joined the Socialist Party and campaigned for workers' rights. She was appointed to a commission to investigate the conditions of the blind. For the first time, she says, I, who thought blindness was a misfortune beyond human control, found that too much of it was traceable to wrong industrial conditions. It wasn't an easy life for Keller, and as a teenager... Her father threatened to send her onto the vaudevillian circuit as a curiosity for people to come and look at um, because they were in financial difficulties. Luckily, Keller's mum never let that happen. Keller wrote books and letters and lectures. She campaigned for women's suffrage and against racism. She became one of the world's most prolific disability rights campaigners. She did, in fact, take to the vaudevillian circuit in her late 40s as she was facing financial problems of her own. However, she did it on her own terms. She discussed socio-political issues and held a question-and-answer segment with the audience. Keller did so much for the progression of our society. I personally love the fact that she didn't just use her platform to talk about disability. She tackled all injustice, and that is why she is my hero. So anyone who knows me will know how close I am with my mum, Margaret Farnell, and sometimes dear listener we are at home and my mum will come out with a little little gem a little pearl of wisdom that um really inspires me and so i thought why waste all that good knowledge of 74 years nearly 75 this year 
And why, why keep it all to myself? Why not share it? Sharing is caring. So, hello, Mum. Hello, Katrina. You make me sound like the big guru who knows everything, and I don't at all. <laughs> well, I'll let the listeners decide on that one. So, I've, we've already spoken about this. I've asked you to prepare something for today. Your pearl of wisdom for this week is giving another person a kind word and a smile may help to improve their day but even more so it will help your day to be improved oh it's a good one i like it thank you and that's margaret's pearl of wisdom for this week a really great story for you today from the news. It's about a dog from the Last Chance Animal Rescue Centre in Edenbridge. It was there for a whole decade but earlier this year the lovely little pooch Bess was rehomed to somewhere in the south coast of England. Nice! Um, I've just got here a statement from the home. It was very emotional for everyone as she set off to her new life, but also very rewarding as a loving home is what we want for all our dogs. And finally, we have one for our Bess. Thank you to everyone who offered Bess a home. What a beautiful story. I'm so glad that those lovely people have adopted Bess and I hope Bess is living her best life in her new forever home. So for the very last segment of our first podcast, I would like to talk to you about my favourite for the week. And it's a brand. It's called Aesthetic Laundry. They made me two gorgeous dresses this week. Uh, in their confetti style and they put two holes on either side of my dress so that it can fit the tube for my super pubic catheter and they didn't add anything onto the price for it they were incredibly kind and um, yeah I just really wanted to give Heidi and Joss a shout out for being so lovely and I've looked into their brand a little bit more since then um, and I really like that they're proponents of ethical slow fashion they make each piece to order so they're not wasting stock keep the carbon footprint low they're just cool people they show all different kinds of body types on their instagram and they cater for all different sizes so that's the kind of brand that i want to support and this isn't sponsored or anything obviously (laughs) um but yeah i just wanted to say thank you um I'd like to tell you about a lovely person called Leah who made a massive order on the Be Kind store and she sent me a message saying I'd like you to give all that stock to people that you meet on the street or leave them in places that you go and that really inspired me. So I would like to give several lucky listeners a chance to have a Be Kind gift package. So all you need to do is follow and tag 
at the Be Kind store on Instagram with a post that's motivational and inspiring. So you follow at the Be Kind store on Instagram. Then make a post that's motivational and inspiring. You could put a quote, you could put a story that you found motivational with a nice picture. Tag at the Be Kind store in your picture and you'll have a really good chance of winning because there's quite a few of these gift packages. Another thing is, I'd like to hear your opinions and stories. Why not brighten someone else's day with your stories of kindness? Or maybe you've been inspired to do something nice for someone following this episode. I want to hear all about it. So you can either Instagram DM me or email me at bekindthepodcast at gmail.com. So we're at the end, guys. Until the next time, you lovely, lovely, lovely people. This has been Be Kind the Podcast with me, Katrina Farnell, sending you gratitude, health and peace. Be kind out there. Mm-hmm.